everyone. Um, it is a- another episode of Anime 18, if you can hear my voice. I didn't say it as well as Daily. Um, she usually hosts this. But I'm Courtney. Uh, joining me today is... Dalton Martin. <laughs> and today we are going to talk about the wonderful subject of Star vs. the Forces of Evil. It's about to get a little weird and a little wild. And there will be puppies and rainbows. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um... For those of you who maybe don't know, if you're just listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, what's Star Wars The Force of Evil? I wouldn't blame you because um, I feel like not a whole lot of people have talked about it or watched it, but it's a really great show. It's on Disney's like premiere channel, so if mm-hmm. you, you can only watch it if you have Disney XD, and that's a premium mm-hmm. cable channel. for so, so most people are not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's definitely one of my few go-to cartoons of this modern cartoon renaissance it's probably one of my favorite if not my favorite Mm -hmm. so um the plot of it goes uh there is a star butterfly who uh shocker is a disney princess uh but she's not your average disney princess because she's kind of insane she's a rebel princess (laughs) yeah and she's actually pretty immature when she first starts out too um Basically, she's a 14-year-old girl who uh, has just inherited a magic uh, wand of power that is passed down through generation after generation of her family uh, on the in the dimension of Muni. Uh, and uh, she is al- already very irresponsible with the wand, so her parents ship her off to Earth to complete her training to become a proper muni princess basically burn the planet so they don't burn their planet exactly and then hijinks ensue and she meets uh uh she meets her friend marco who she moves in with uh with the his parents who take care of her and she goes to high school and more hijinks casual roommates you know how it goes Mm -hmm. um so i really what i really like about the show is it's sort of well, it's sort of following sort of the same pattern that I've seen with modern cartoons today where they kind of set it up like you think you know what's happening. Like it's pretty episodic in the first season and you're like, all right, I get it. I get what's going on. And then they just kind of turn it on its head and a lot of crazy things happen. Oh, yeah. That's one of the hardest things to convince people to watch this show is it starts off very like there is no purpose or plot whatsoever. It's just hijinks ensuing. But it towards the end of like the first season – it flips on its head and becomes dramatic and really serious. And I'm like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes directions a lot. Like, you, you kind of get the basic uh, gist of it. Uh, it's sort of like a monster of the week uh, yeah. show at first. But then uh, it changes, like, point of view. And uh, there's a lot of, like, tonal shifts. And it's really interesting. Yeah, like the villain introduced in there, Ludo, the little tiny uh, kappa. <laughs> uh, he's not serious at all. And then he becomes a, a very serious threat just mm-hmm. on a flip of a switch. And that's what I like about this. It's it's It takes a little bit to get into, but once you're, like, invested into it, it's one hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. And one thing I love about it, of course, is that uh, it has great roots in Sailor Moon, another uh, magical girl anime of that uh, era, like uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena. Because um, it's very much like a magical girl anime, mm-hmm. uh, just in America like we've got this blonde girl who has superpowers and she's really crazy and um she fights evil which that kind of sounds like Sailor Moon <laughs> yeah I know the uh, creator uh Darren Nefsey I believe yeah is her last name um that was her inspiration when she was making the show she said that when she was visiting uh 
Asian countries when I guess she was in college. She grasped onto these anime uh, shows because the, what they had in the West just didn't compare to it. Um, the cartoons in that were very immature and really had no purpose or plot. Whereas these, there was actually like a serious plot points, character development and whatnot, instead of just a monster of the week type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's even how Sailor Moon's format started out. Like it would be like a monster of the week type thing and then they would develop it more and then it would uh, become really crazy for a little bit and then it would go back to the monster of the week and throw in yeah. a random romance plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, which also star kind of does as well. Um, but, uh, uh, stars romantic interest is way more interesting than tuxedo mask. Yes. It's all um, over the place. There are like so many romantic subplots in the show. It's uh-huh. ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, they are high schoolers. So it's like, yeah. That's what high school is, and there was e- there was even one episode where there was like a Sailor Moon knockoff character, which yeah, is well, really I can't remember her name was, but uh, it was like Mina or something. Yeah, she something even did like that. the whole like pose and the the music playing on it, yeah. which just like it was a knockoff version of the Sailor Moon yeah, like, transformation. But music. She was like old and crazy, and I loved it. <laughs> uh, that was one of the first ones I think from this season, or yeah. the most recent season. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was season two. Um, but w- another thing that I really like about Star herself is just kind of, like, how positive of a role model she is. Not in the sense that, like, she's someone who she you should aspire to be. You should look up to be this person that just kind <laughs> of, like, throws caution to the wind and blows everything mm-hmm. up. <laughs> but mostly because um, she is, um, like, a... She's, like, really girly, and she really likes rainbows and puppies and dresses. But she's also, like, a really awesome fighter. She goes through a goth or, like, punk phase in one of the episodes. Yeah. That's because she likes cute and adorable things, but also at the same time, she's a warrior. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which I think is something that is really uh, important for young girls to see because so many times, uh, while there have been, you know, female warriors in the past, they might have always not have been as, like, as uh, down-to-earth a star. Yeah. And you kind of like get like that's one of the messages I think from this most current season is in one of the episodes you see all the tapestries of all the previous queens of Muni, and you see literally one her, her head shaved fighting off people with a sword a flaming sword at that, and you even see uh, Star's mother uh, Queen Butterfly kind of going one on one with this immortal being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because in the previously you see her mother being like that's not a very ladylike thing to do. You need to be more docile and more tame and all that Mm -hmm. and that star's not like that at all she is the rebel princess (laughs) (laughs) oh man i love the mom character especially i just love the mom more and more even especially after these last couple episodes she went from a character that had appeared once or maybe twice in the season to actually being rather important to Mm -hmm. the whole story arc in general Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines that still cracks me up so much is, uh, it was a couple episodes ago where um, it was the flags yeah it was the flags episode and Star had tricked her mom. Um, she it was this really dangerous game that she, her mom didn't want her to play. Her so. barbarian father's family. It's like mm-hmm. we're gonna play capture the flag on the hill or something. It was a combination of King of the Hill and capture the flag. Mm-hmm. And it was very dangerous and scary. And so Star tricked her mom by like building a fake star out of corn and. Um, when Star's mom finds out and uh, after Star's dad, River, has been, like, thoroughly beaten in this game, her mother's just like, River, I don't remember giving birth to a corn baby. 
River, do you ever recall that? And he's just like, no, dear, I'm afraid we only have the one. And she's just like, thank you, River. And he's like, her name is Star Butterfly. (laughs) It's so good. River is the most ridiculous character. And it's kind of interesting because you you have a king who is the most incompetent person of the whole, like, royal line. He's just kind of there. And he's even evident, like, uh, in the baby episode. <laughs> he's just kind of, like, stealing. It's like, they're stealing my food. Stop it. And, like, the <laughs> baby just kind of smacks his hand. It's like, no, like, who's the really one in charge? It's more of a matriarch mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. Like, the comedy is just so good. Like, I find myself laughing out loud multiple times an episode. Yeah, and it's not, uh, it's never dated. It's not uh-huh. really, like, sometimes you get on uh, cartoon shows and it can get, like, really cringy humor. Yeah. Like, very sophomoric. But this, it's something an adult can watch and just get, like, get everything uh-huh. going on into it. And it helps that the animation is so high-paced mm-hmm. and fast that, like, it just really plays into the craziness. <laughs> and I like how the season was played out. So, like, for... One episode, you had a very slice of life, non-serious episode, followed up by a more serious story-driven. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was never too serious, but it was never too comedic at the same, the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've we've been talking a lot about um, the show in general, and we've kind of been giving hints to season two. But um, Starbuary just wrapped up, and uh, there are a lot of things that happened. Yeah, it was basically. It, so people familiar with the Steven Universe's Steven Bomb concept, Disney decided to do the same thing, but they're doing the second half of uh, Star Wars The Forces of Evil Season 2 in the entire month. And boy, that was like three episodes a week, and that was a lot to digest. <laughs> um, it wrapped up last week, I believe. So. Mm-hmm. Um, or this week. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I uh, waited until they all came out so I could <laughs> digest them all at once. Boy! That's a lot to digest. <laughs> I went through a lot of emotions very quickly. So you didn't get to the full experience. The way it was set up is like every third episode there was a big reveal. So I think the last one ended on the ba- it was the the episode baby, mm-hmm. which was like, oh no, Star may le- leave, but then she's like, I can't leave. I love my friends here, and then summons a magical tree out of like making from an apple <laughs> of all mm-hmm. things. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, the second week was the reveal that Toffee was back <sighs> in Ludo, and then. Technically, the week after that, I think, was... Uh, how did that end? I don't remember. But it, and then it all came to the end with uh, Face the Music and Star Crushed, mm-hmm. which a fitting name for that episode. So what were what were some of your favorite moments from the episodes that Some just came of out? my favorite episodes in general. Uh, most people really enjoyed Baby, which I did too. I like anything that introduces more con- like lore into the whole Muni mm-hmm. side of things. Because this is the season they went all out with that. Yeah. There were some hints in season one, but this yeah. to get a better idea of like... The role of the monsters yeah. and the humans in this. We suddenly have, like, a magic council there's now. A, there's a high magic council, which I like that episode, but I really love the Running With Scissors episode because I, w- I adore Hecapoo. Um, She's so great. She was, so like, great. one of the best things of that. Sh- <laughs> like, it went from being a character that was, like, mentioned once previously in season two and then she's like, yeah, I have a whole episode dedica- dedicated to me and Marco, and I'm, like, torturing him for 16 years. Uh, okay. But that... one of the weirdest things, there was, like, some tension at the end of that. Uh-huh. It was like, Marco, you man. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, that episode was crazy because, for the viewers who don't know, what happened is um, uh, Marco lost his, uh, or s- technically stars, technically pony Marrowed. heads, technically... Hecapoos, scissors, like dimensional uh, interdimensional scissors. Yeah. scissors, which helps them travel between all the different dimensions. Mm. And so, to get 
them back, he, uh, he had to catch Hecapoo, and she has all these clones. Thousands. So, Thousands of clones. And she mentions casually, like, this could take days or months or years, and he's like, well, I'll do it. And uh, it did take years. It took 16 years. Marco turned 30 in Hecapoo's world, and Star comes in, try to get him, and she's all just like, Marco, like, where like, are you? Who are you, you stranger? <laughs> Very decent-looking stranger. Like, it's me, Marco. And she's like... Marco and guys get all googly and just it's his abs. <laughs> they just focus in on the abs and I'm like, man, he's he's really well toned and he gets like a dragon motorcycle, a sword. He basically becomes not even that. He's like your '80s typical like super badass. Mm-hmm. But it just blew my mind because Marco just aged 16 years in the span of like five minutes in Earth and, time <laughs> and like. Like, I would watch an entire show about Marco trying to catch these Hecapoo clones for six... Like, I would watch an entire series based on that. That was the funniest thing because that was, like, one of the most talked about episodes on, like, any of the community pages that I was, like, following at the time because people were so confused by the fact that it was like, okay, Marco, in his mind, is 30 years old, trapped in a 14-year-old's body now. Yeah, that must be crazy. Um, and he, you even kind of see him regret. It's like, I don't really want to go back. This is my life now. I know. He has like a pet now. Like a, I don't even know what that thing was. It was like a. It was a motorcycle he, dragon. Yeah. He had like a sidekick that he grew to love and like all these other things just to get these scissors and like, oh my God, like now he has to go back to living this life. And it's like, that, that would seriously mess a person like a up. Major, like character development episode because at the end, like Marco was typically a very cautious person that doesn't want to put anyone in danger but like does karate as well and from this he was like i don't know who i am anymore it's like what's my password (laughs) it's like oh no he's forgotten how to live yeah and that part where he just went and continued eating his sandwich it was the beginning of the episode he had a sandwich that he was eating and then he went on the interdimensional trip for 16 years and then he came back and he ate his sandwich and he was like huh it's still warm that's insane which another thing about the episode, it's like it started another one. So like an inside joke right now is like the whole story. It's the story of Star, but the side story is like Marco's mystical harem. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically everyone likes to ship Marco with every character imaginable in this show. And so it's like everyone, it's like super adult Marco with Hecapu. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> this needs to just stop. <laughs> that is so great. Oh, my God. I didn't even uh, know it was a thing. Well, you saw at the end of it, it's like, it's like I've waited years for That's this. That's true. I was definitely <laughs> feeling like, some like, tension whoa, whoa, there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, this is, she's a thousand-year-old demon wizard. It's like, what are you doing here, pal? Um, what's, let's see, another good episode. Because there were a lot. But there were They a all kind of like meshed together. Um, I liked, I like any episode that focuses on Ludo because you get a totally different yeah, perspective on things. Yeah, for sure. And so him... Almost being played by Glossary after he stole him. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, do you want to learn this? Like, yes, I do. And I'm like, are you sure? It's really advanced. Like, have you taught Star? And I'm like, taught is a very strong word. And it's, Teach me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it also it reintroduced uh, Toffee, which yeah. I didn't know if they were going that route because uh, in season one, Toffee was basically the real big bad but you didn't know to the extent how evil he is he was just a giant lizard man with slicked back hair and a suit voiced by the guy who played dexter (laughs) um it is now revealed that there is something between him because he guess he's like a really ultra like villainous um because now he's like taking those he's taking the wand he's basically out to kill anything it seems at this point 
And there's something with there's like a past between him and him and, 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 and a moon because he's yeah. featured in the tapestry. Yeah. Um, she blew off his finger, which even in that episode, alluded that Toffee is immortal. Yeah, and she is um, Moon Butterfly uh, was very like nervous around him, which is weird. Like you don't ever really see her as anything except like prim. But when she found out that he's like coming back, she's like starve. You know, we gotta go because Toffee's back. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because Toffee was very calm and collected in the first season. It didn't seem much of a threat. He just kind of seemed very business centric and yeah. And Misa, he just wanted to destroy the wand. Now we're realizing that, okay, he is very, very a bad person because everyone's terrified of this guy. Mm-hmm. It's like you didn't get that in the first one, but now it's like, okay, now we know who the real villain is, even though they kept a hinting that Star's great-grandmother was possibly evil. Yeah, there's there was that one line in the Baby episode where, um, like, uh, when baby comes... Uh, but for those who don't... We're not talking about a baby here. We're talking about, like... A cat-like thing with wings that uh, eats, like... Everything. Yeah, and it can be... uh, It's really, really cute, but can also be kind of terrifying. Yeah. Um, And she she comes to, like... uh, She's like an out, like... I don't know, almost like a professor of sorts that basically analyzes how far along a human princess is. Mm -hmm, Yeah, and when she goes... uh, When she returns back to Muni to report on Star... Um, she says, you know, like she is, her spells are very unstructured, you know, she hasn't learned basic things, blah, blah, blah. But she's also probably more powerful than you and probably the most powerful ever. Not since who, I don't even know who it was. Eclipsa. Eclipsa. And she had like spades on her cheeks, right? Yeah. So you're introduced to Eclipsa in the tapestry episode where Star goes into her wand, which that was weird. (laughs) Um, And and it's how you introduced her. It's uh, Eclipsa, something about the human queen, uh, but ran away after she wed a demon or a monster. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's heavily implied that she's evil because her eyes are glowing pink. She's like in gothic Lolita attire. The spades are red. The spades are red. Even spades have like a weird death connotation yeah, to yeah. them and like symbolism. And then she's just sitting on this like Gene Simmons demon looking thing. And that's like, is that her husband? <laughs> <laughs> and you don't really understand like Eclipse is name dropped and you kind of see like images of her. Um, and like she's never referenced again until baby mm-hmm. and you don't know anything about it so like clearly she may have something to do with season three but nobody knows what yeah um toffee is now the most yeah he's the dangerous thing right now mm-hmm. <laughs> there's definitely been a lot of like great seeds planted um because there is going to be season three and season four is confirmed season four so. is confirmed before even season three is like out so mm-hmm. disney is definitely they feel that this show is very successful to even warrant that. Like they're already like, yeah, two seasons before even this is wrapped up. Which Go is for great. It. Like yeah. I'm glad that if they're gonna pick a show to continue, then this it's one. this one. Yeah. Um, another. Let's see. Something else about this show. Um, there never really seems to be a filler episode because something always comes back, or there is a scene in what could be seen can be conceived as a filler episode, but it's actually important later on, mm-hmm. even with like character development. So there were, like, some characters that were, like, introduced once. So, like, in the LSD hot dog episode or, like, the goblin dog where they just trip uh, at the end of it, mm-hmm. um, you're thinking, okay, this Kelly person, never going to be relevant again. Mm-hmm. She appears episodes later. And, mm-hmm. like, apparently it's a very um, – she was, like, close friends with Star this whole time. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Typically in any episode it's like, yeah, we're just never revisiting this character ever yeah. again. Um, even with the uh, whole Eclipsa thing, 
they could have just dropped her. It's like, oh, yeah, Star, that's where the rebellious part of Star uh, comes from and not an actual character. Yeah. But then you see her actually, again, like frozen in a crystal somewhere. And I'm like, you're playing me here. Mm-hmm. It's like, I yeah. can't connect the dots. I don't know where this is going, but I can see where it's going. The writers definitely know what they're doing here. Yeah. This is actually like structured. It's almost like Gravity Falls level of pre-planned. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we, what do you think of the finale episode and specifically the cliffhanger? Okay, so the finale, I'm going to treat it as like the one hour thing. So you had Face the Music and Star Crushed. Mm-hmm. That was emotional. That was like, that made me an emotional wreck there for a moment because that was like intense. Um, this whole past two, not even first season, first season, Marco and Star were always treated as like best friend roommates. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until season two where they alluded to the fact of like, Star may have a thing for Marco, but Marco has a thing for somebody else. And so it's like, will they, won't they? And then it's it's hinted out throughout the rest of the season, but then it's like the full fr- it's laid bare at the end. Um, basically, Star has to go have like a song written about her for like the princess for like a song princess day or something. Mm-hmm. And being Star, being the rebel queen or rebel princess as she is, does not do a traditional song that's supposed to be like prim and proper and fluff her up. Mm-hmm. No, she wants to go about it basically like oh political intrigue, lies to the general people and yeah basically i lost the, the i lost the wand and i lost the spell book and i lost glossaric and all these things that have been so important to the kingdom and nobody I'm, told anybody else uh-huh. um and then she's like okay i know this is coming and then uh rubrio whatever his name is yeah lovely weird voiced name. by patrick stump of fallout boy <laughs> right? um this drops down this like last verse about how uh, Star is secretly in love with her best friend Marco and you can see the shock in her face. Marco's like, this is awkward and then she just runs. Mm-hmm. She hops on her magical cloud and flies away and that's when that episode ends and it picks up immediately immediately at the, I guess, Marco's end of the school party and things are incredibly awkward. Marco's just kind of like, oh, whatever, I'll just deal with it. I'm with my girlfriend right now. And then things kind of, in, uh, things go even further. Star's like, oh, you know what? I had a crush on him, but not anymore. It's like, I just don't like him that way. Until the very end where it's kind of revealed after Toffee destroys the magical high council like with seamless ease, mm-hmm. almost kills Moon. Mm-hmm. They get away and the Moon's like, Star, you had to come back to Earth. Uh, you had to come back to uh, Muni. Earth is too dangerous. It's like, Mom, you can't do that. It's like, I've got plans. This whole summer thing. It's like, Star, it's important. Toffee's back. And she gets it then. And then she gets it and she's like, Marco, we need to talk. And it's not even like, She's it's not, not even, even like, one-on-one. She just yeah. yells at it. It's like, Marco! <laughs> and everyone just kind of looks at us like, oh, please, not like this. Yeah. Because you kind of see what's coming from there. Um, then she kind of like reveals with a whole crowd with her friends, Marco's girlfriend. And she says, you know what? I have to leave, but I had to tell you something. I had to get off my chest. It's like, I actually have a crush on you. With tears in her eye, then she runs and then disappears. And that's how it ends. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, it specifically ends like Marco, like, runs Rushing. after her. And he goes into her room and, like, her room is fading because the magic is going yeah, away. Gone. And that's done. And it's, it just fades to black. And the most thing that, like, killed me for there is every episode ends with this high-pitched, yes. peppy, like, I think Earth is a really great place. <laughs> There's it, animals surrounding her. But no, this one, it's just kind of, like, crickets chirping, the house. It's all black. And it's just like, oh, it's not a positive note. Okay, yeah. screw you guys. Yeah. Wow, right? Like, what a finale. So now Marco, poor Marco, has lost his best friend. 
um, who just basically confessed her feelings to him mm-hmm. in front of his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, poor guy. Now he's like, do I go after her? Like, what's going on? I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. I really don't know where they're going to go from here now because Star is not at Earth anymore. And You'd imagine she's going back to Muni. Yeah. I mean, who knows, though? Like... Because, I mean, such a staple of the show is Star and Marco fighting. Like, that's one. In the opening, first you see her Muni, and then for the rest of it, you see her with Star and Marco. Like, it's their story together. So, current theory going on right now for the show is um, it was already confirmed that season three will premiere summer of this year. So, it's like maybe August, possibly, maybe September at the latest. They've already said it's slated for summer of this year. Um, what a lot of people are thinking is they've already alluded to a lot of things that may happen in season three and kind of laid the groundworks for how Marco could come to Muni because he has the dimensional scissors. That is true. So he can easily go there. It's just, does he go to it? Um, which obvious answer is yes. He's going to go chase after Star. I mean, best friend. Um, but it's also uh, another theory is that since this whole series up to this point has kind of been Earth centric. What if Marco now takes residence up in Muni and it basically kind of like it's... It flip-flops. It flips. That would be very interesting. Huh. I didn't even think about yeah, that. but then you also got to deal with all the Earth friends left behind. Yeah, and but then it would also... I mean, because we've had to deal with all the Muni friends left behind too. Yeah. And it would, it would sort of be like Marco learning how to exist in Muni rather than Star learning how to exist on Earth. One of the funniest things I saw was somebody wrote up lyrics for the ending of the season three if it goes that way. It's it's through Marco's perspective. It's like, I think Muni is a pre- <laughs> And it's basically just changed that up but through Marco's perspective and Muni but the same lyrics. And I'm like, that would be clever. If yeah. they don't do it, I'm going to be disappointed. Huh. But I can see where they're going. Yeah. But at this point, this definitely ended on a very sad and negative note. Yeah. Um, it was a great storytelling, but also at the same time, it's like, what do I do now? Yeah, usually... It's one hell of a cliffhanger. Yeah, usually episodes don't end on such a scary, on a, like, such a scary note. I mean, the Bon Bon, the birthday clown episode did, but it's, I think it's just further proof that this show is just getting darker and darker. Yeah, Disney XD allows them to do more uh, mature mm-hmm. subject matter. Yeah. Um, it's meant for teens but anyone can honestly watch the show yeah um so basically setting it up now is star now star and moon are basically gonna have to go fight toffee off or survive because we don't know how far an extent that toffee how dangerous he is because now he has half of her magical wand embedded in his hand yeah oh my god it's like that's creepy so So it's it's weird because like now i'm thinking is is toffee taking over Ludo's body and basically like transforming Ludo into his previous self Mm -hmm. because that's dark. Yeah. Um, He basically like sucked out the life essence of the high magic and turned a goat guy into dust. Poor goat guy. No. He bleated so passionately. (laughs) So so you basically have all the and you don't know where Glossark is. He's MIA. Yeah. Um, Who knows if he got like sucked up by Toffee as well. Uh huh. There's just a lot of questions left unanswered but now that i know there's two seasons to go at minimum yeah who knows how many of these questions will be answered immediately there's a lot to look forward to certainly um my guess and how i feel things may go down is i feel they've alluded to queen uh, queen eclipsa so many times 
just casually, that she has to be introduced into season three. Mm-hmm. You see her body kind of like captured in uh, Romulus's uh, prison prison crystal. So she's alive. Yeah. She's just in prison. Yeah. So what if she comes back? She's the only one that can take out Toffee. Mm-hmm. And then she actually turns out to be the next big villain. It's like you unleash an evil to fight. It's like an enemy of an enemy of my enemy is my friend. But what do you do now when you have to deal with her? Yeah. Good point. I could see that. I could see a deep storytelling. It's like 3D chess right here. <laughs> so many layers. Yeah. I love it, though. It's such a great show. It is. <laughs> that's that's why it's one of my favorites. It's like end up storytelling. None of the characters are really boring and stale. And when they do introduce boring and stale characters, they're never visited upon again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before we close it out, I have one important question for you, which I already know the answer to, but the viewers don't. Who do you ship? Uh, Star with. Star with? It's or Marco with. <laughs> who do you ship who with? That's a very difficult question because, like, it's obvious it's kind of leaning the way of, like, Star and uh, Marco is the end game. Mm-hmm. But that's boring and very vanilla. Um, there's a lot of people. Um, I personally like the idea of him and Jackie staying together. Mm-hmm. But I can also see that it's like, well, that's his, like, first crush and all. You never stay with your first crush. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's up in the air. It could be like, there could be something later on the road. You introduce a new character. Yeah. Pull out How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I personally do ship Star and Marco. Uh, I know, but like, they're just so cute together. And they were like tied together forever oh, at yeah, the, the blood ba- moon thing. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. So like, they have, to, and they always like hug each other and stuff and like, when, it's like a staple of the series. <laughs> and w- yeah, I know. And when Marco came back from his 16-year adventure, Star, like, poked at his a- the absent of his abs, and she just went squish. And so I was just like, then, like, yes. Star was the reason he actually came back from Earth. Yeah. He's like, what about your parents? What about your friends? What about me? And he's like, well, see ya, Hecapoo. It's been fun, but not that fun. <laughs> So, yes, I am a Starco shipper. I'm so sorry. There's, there's there's so many you've got. You've got Jana and Marco. You've got Star and Marco. you got Jackie and Marco. you got Tom and Marco. <laughs> That's the most yes. interesting one. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Tom and Marco for sure. But, you know, speaking really quick, though, speaking of, like, hetero- or homosexual couples, um, there was uh, Disney's first uh, same-sex kiss on the show, right? I believe maybe first. I think it's first. There was a big deal. That I didn't even realize that was a big deal until I saw like, huh, this is blowing up. Yes. That just reminded me of that. <laughs> it, was really very, it was just subtly put in there. Yeah. Um, I also uh, like the callback to the too little, too late song <laughs> at the <laughs> very end. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. sad. All these, se- all like the past, the last three episodes of the season were just sad, sad, extremely sad. <laughs> yeah. But um, we got a lot of great stuff to look forward to with the yeah. show. And like, Five, six, maybe seven months to go until season three. Yay! The hiatus, it never stops. It's okay. We have fan art to keep us yes, satiated until then. As long as it doesn't like keep with the whole uh, star bomb setup. I hate bombs. Mm-hmm. You don't, yeah. yeah. Whatever happened to good old weekly, weekly uh, story driven? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. This has been the Anime A Team. Uh, I have been your host, Courtney Tuckman. Joining me today was Dalton Martin. And uh, this has been our discussion of Star Wars The Forces of Evil. If you want to find more podcasts, uh, you can find them over at our website at bitebsu.com or on iTunes or 
SoundCloud under the BSU Daily. All right. Thank you very much for listening and have a good rest of your day.